Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hey guys, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Today we are talking about the legendary, the the renowned, the well-known, beloved beer bad. (laughs) What a lame episode to come back on, honestly. I mean, like, it'll be fun. Like, it's a Buffy episode, but like, I was watching it and I was like, this is one of those episodes where like, when you're trying to convince someone you love a show... And then they're like, no, I've seen an episode, but it was like really bad. You're like, oh my gosh, what episode? No. And they're like, oh, it's beer bad. Because you can usually argue a lot of the bad episodes, but this one's like, like, you know what? You know when it's like, you're like, if like a favorite show of yours, like someone's seen it, but it's always the worst episode or like, Mm -hmm. you know, or like you're going to show them and you're like, you can pick any episode, like any episode and we can watch it. And then they always land on like this one. This is, that's that type of episode where you're like, man, I forgot this was in here. And then you come to it and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish it wasn't here. Every time I come back to this episode, I always think, it can't be that bad. I think I'm remembering it wrong. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, yes. Um, they kind of hit you over the head with the metaphor. And I do think there are some good parts to this episode. I actually was pleasantly surprised this time. I was like, oh, there's some like actual gems, like Willow standing up to Parker was a really standout moment. Um, but there's also um one of my other least favorite characters. I have three characters in the show that I abhor with all of my heart. And, and all of them are um, four. Oh, sorry. Four characters. I forgot about another one. Four. And two of them are in this episode. And mm-hmm. I just – it's like, could you put the most unlikable storylines and unlikable characters all in one episode, please? Oh, yes. Thank you. Yep. Also in one of the worst episodes. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it is very psychologically thrilling. Um so at least there's something. Is to it tag though? <laughs> I was like, what? It's definitely. It's very um, in depth, guys. I don't know. There's yeah, a lot of material we can like, talk it's about. It's mind provoking. It's very <laughs> yeah. thoughtful. Okay. It may be crappy, but there's a lot of material. I'm just kidding. Very rare episode to have like very little about it to talk about. I honestly think this is the first crappy episode since go fish but honestly i still but there think was more to talk episode, about on go fish i, I know i feel like guys i abhor go fish only because it gives me creepy vibes um but there was a yeah. lot of interesting topics like um like sexual assault in there or, or just like the idea of boys protect boys and like and then like uh That's the whole true. sports metaphor which can be really rich and everything and there was like some funny moments whereas this one was like trying to be funny but it wasn't funny you know what i mean yeah like at least yeah. we had that whole like like a uh, pool scene with cordelia yeah and, like, the fish true. person and we had gage but this one was like we get parker well we yeah. don't even have anya in this episode that's true so i'm like well what? and then oz is even like he's not even like a good side character in this episode so okay it's let's like, not talk about oz yet i have sorry. so much to say about that one oh <laughs> Okay. Yep. All right. Let's jump into it because I have a lot of thoughts about this episode. Okay. Season four, episode five, Beer Bad, written by Tracy Forbes, 
directed by David Solomon, aired November 2nd, 1999. Okay, so fun fact, guys, right off the bat. Tracy Forbes only writes three Buffy episodes, and they are all in season four. Do you guys want to guess what other two episodes she writes? I have to remember what episodes are in uh, season four. Let's see. Uh, Is it like the next four episodes? No, she (laughs) she only writes two, Leah. (laughs) After this one, does she? uh, Is it the next two episodes? No, it is not. Well, that was my guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Have they already passed or no? Nope, we have not gotten to them yet. Okay, let me guess. I'm just (laughs) gonna randomly guess the Iron Team. No. Okay. Um, Come on. It's it's got to be the first one that pops into your brain after like sheer bad. No, not where the wild things are. It is. Yes. Oh. <laughs> That's unfortunate to put on your resume. Yeah, this one and where the wild I things are. I would just skip that one, Huns. Let's not put that on our resume. <laughs> um, and then okay, the third one's gonna shock you. Something blue. Interesting. Well, she's a woman of variety. That's for sure. <laughs> Honestly, I think. Joss had a huge hand in something blue. And Joss actually had a huge hand in this episode script, um, only in making it funnier. So, and I'll read that quote in a second. So, this episode is often seen as the worst or tied for the worst episode of the series. So, if you ask anybody, the first word out of their mouth is probably going to be beer bad. I have to agree that this, this episode, obviously, it's not great. However, I don't think this episode is the worst. I personally think I Robot You Jane is worse than this episode because as far mm. as it came to metaphors and stuff like it that, there wasn't well. really – It doesn't age well. There's not really much to talk about. It doesn't really progress Willow's arc forward at all. Um, but at least this one progresses bad. some people, whether or not it makes sense to progress it. Yeah. They it's are doing that. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. There are storylines and they are moving. And they are progressing. <laughs> I feel like every episode <laughs> – You guys will be very impressed with me, though. I do have positive things to say about a character who is not in this episode. No, it is. Well, I'm excited to hear because there's a couple characters in this episode that I have many negative things to say. I have very few positive things to say. Um, Mark Field made the point that at least Beer Bad has a purpose that is easy to identify, unlike I Robot You, Jane, and other episodes that you're like, what is the metaphor here? Like, but that's um, also because the metaphor is so overt. It literally, like, exactly. I, I think kindergartners could understand, like, Beer Bad. <laughs> you think so? They just hit you over the head with it. Well, I was just going to say, like, in my head, it's not even a Obviously, it's not a good metaphor because everyone immediately picks it out. The whole point of a metaphor is that you can have multiple layers, that it's more yes. nuanced, the fact that it's yep. not – it's a little bit under the surface. So you can get multiple things out of an episode. There's the enjoyment, which is the first hand, and then the backhand is the the stuff that you could talk about that's a little bit like deeper. Whereas – this one's faulty on multiple levels. Not only is it extremely in the forefront, which is not a great metaphor, but the metaphor itself is pointless. And here's why. Because beer already alters your brain, right? You're already kind of a less intelligent version. This is a mass oversimplification of you know, alcohol. But like the fact that they had to add in that it was spiked to make them like that, like it already changes. Mm-hmm. Like how you speak and how you interact. So like the fact that they had add in 
somebody already spiking the beer. It's like that's already what alcohol does. So like why did you need to add that is my question. I mean, alcohol doesn't make people cavemen. So I think yeah. Yeah, but, but they could have made them not cavemen. Obvious. They could have just yeah. well, I don't but know. I also feel like it's such a such a college thing to be like Oh my goodness, yeah. you can drink alcohol now. Don't fall into the trap of being stupid and enjoying a simple <laughs> beer. Like, yeah. it's just like, it's very, it's coming from a very like marketed attack in a way. Yeah. No, you're um, spot on, Leah. Of just kind of like a, okay, we're getting paid over the counter to say that you shouldn't drink beer because beer is bad. But really, most adults drink beer and most adults don't turn into idiots like when they do it. It's just that we're getting paid to tell you that it's stupid. And yet this is the same show where we have such beautifully written metaphors about addiction, about substance abuse, and so many other areas. And yet we get an episode like this when it's just about beer and you're like you could blend this out and flush it out to so many different types of mm -hmm. addictions or other things if you're going to go that route it's not even about addiction this episode it's just about beer and how it makes you dumber when you're drunk like that's literally the only thing they talk about like they could flush it out a little bit more and that's the thing too tabs is that like if they had gone the route of like alcoholism how like Certain Way more interesting. people, when it's like you're relying on, you become an alcoholic, yeah. and it's like how that is an like an enslavement almost, like it is like a, a needed relationship. That would have been interesting. I don't know. It's just so obvious that they were getting paid to do this kind of episode, but clearly they were not getting paid enough because <laughs> they did not put it towards the writing. All right, so. I agree with what you guys have to say. But in my research, there was actually some interesting things that I pulled up. So Mark Field says this. He says, The episode's metaphors, heavy-handed though they may be, reinforce the message. Beer, even if not enchanted, strips us of our inhibitions. That is, it disables our super egos. So they talked about like the id and like Professor Walsh talks about those kinds of things. The caveman represent the stereotypical instance of that. They're pure id. Cave Buffy wants two, but not sex. She wants revenge on Parker. She gets that metaphorically in three different ways. When her metaphorical spirit exposes the shallowness of his pickup routine, revealing his true self, when Willow, who's the metaphorical spirit, when the metaphorical ids, the caveman hit him over the head immediately after Willow finishes, and when she herself hits him over the head at the end, this episode also fits in with the seasonal theme of identity theft. The beer robbed Buffy and other students of their true selves. So the idea that they're trying to convey in this episode is Buffy is so wrapped up in getting revenge, getting like fulfilling this fantasy of revenge that she has against Parker that she's kind of she's lost her the rational side of her brain. Um, and that's something Willow mentioned several times. She talks about how like Parker is like stealer of like someone's ability to think clearly or something like that. And she compares Parker to uh, Veruca. And Professor Walsh talks about this too, how she's forsaken her higher self, for lack of a better term, for her more animalistic side. And so that's what they were trying to represent with the beer. Um, And Leah, you were spot on. The plot was written with the plan to take advantage of funds from the Office of National Drug Control Policy available to shows that promoted an anti-drug message. 
Yes. Yep. Funding was rejected, however, for the episode because, <laughs> oh, quote, oh, <laughs> because, quote, that's they said, so embarrassing. drugs were an issue, but it was otherworldly nonsense, very abstract and not like real yep. life kids taking drugs. Viewers wouldn't make the link to the message. It's not relatable. I'm like sorry. watching this episode Viewers is not relatable. wouldn't make the link? Do they think we're dumb? <laughs> That's like the least yeah. issue. Like I would understand if they were just kind of like, this is stupid. It's too over. We don't like, no, we're not interested. But if it, the viewers can't make the link, they must think we're idiots. Well, did you walk away from this episode going beer bad? Like I should not ever drink alcohol. I mean, this is, I mean, this no, is giving the I, same energy I mean, as no, like. No, but like also I, I don't ever walk away from any commercial thinking that. <laughs> true whoa leah's like i am never manipulated or influenced to do anything no there's definitely commercial like any of the dog ones where they're like putting them down in the power those ones work on me but like the alcohol <laughs> ones don't all right so from what i've read and i've observed from this episode i don't think they necessarily were trying to go heavy-handed with the don't drink metaphor i think they were trying to placate the ONDCP, which is like the drugs and alcohol thing, while kind of satirically making fun of the after-school specials and the whole D.A.R.E. movement, which was huge in the 90s. Not that I don't think moderation and responsible drinking aren't – I think they're a good thing. But there's this idea that drinking it all is the worst thing ever and it makes you a bad person. Buffy's response to Foamy at the end kind of clued me into the fact that they were doing this in kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Um, and the fact that every time they talk about drinking as being bad. Like for instance, uh, Giles is like, Xander, how could you let Buffy drink? Like, you know, she's underage, all this stuff. Xander comes back with, okay, Mr. Like drugs induced demon, uh, seance, all the, you know, like the whole thing that you did back in yeah, the Yeah. Let's 70s. reduce people to their worst mistakes. L- love doing that. <laughs> I think Xander's right though. He's kind of saying like, Yes. Like, who are you to say that she can't enjoy things in college when you literally were killing people in the college? Right. <laughs> well, but the thing is, is the 60s and 70s was a huge druggy era. Yeah. And so those people are the parents of the kids in the 90s saying, don't do dr- drugs mm-hmm. and drink, kids. And so it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek point back of like, haha, the same people who are trying to censor and say, hey, kids, how dare you drink – are doing or did way worse. And so it's in a way, I think the episode was trying to get around the censors in a Buffy way of like, we're going to say beer is bad, but we're really going to like make fun of that premise the entire time. And guess who was also bad? The college student who is over here thinking he's better than everyone else and openly mocks Xander, you know? So the idea was, I think they were supposed to be like, sure, okay, beer bad, but look, there's so many other worse people out there. Like, are we really going to make this our platform to stand on, you know? And like, just to kind of add on to that, like they highlight some not great people in this episode. Parker, the pretentious frat boy, Veruca, the drinking doesn't seem so bad in comparison to the awful, awful nature of some of these people here. And if you notice, Parker isn't drinking, Veruca isn't drinking, at least that we know of, and obviously the frat boy does, but I don't think this episode was done well, but I think that that's because they couldn't be as obvious with the metaphor because they were hemmed into having to do things a certain way in order to get funding. And I don't fault Joss and the writers for trying to get funding because Buffy was a notoriously underfunded show. Um, It's just – it's a bummer because you ended up with this episode. 
Douglas Petrie describes the episode, Beer Bad, again, light and fluffy, as we say. It came from the brain of Tracy Forbes, a Canadian writer who was on our staff. We were just trying to mine the college experience as much as possible and what happens there. Well, very young people get unlimited access to alcohol and become horrible. We all do it, or most of us do it, and live to regret it, and we wanted to explore that. So the metaphor of college boys, intellectual college boys who drink and become Neanderthals is pretty straight up. It's a metaphor. We did want, and Joss wanted a kind of harsh college experience of giving your heart and body to someone when you're not experienced in either and having them use you and split. Um, and so the BBC, which was the network interviewing Petrie, they asked, do you think that it was cut and dry? And now we're kind of transitioning into the whole Parker aspect. They're like, do you think it was cut and dry, right or wrong? Or do you think Parker, to a certain extent, had a point that Buffy shouldn't have gotten so emotionally involved? I think it's both. I think that absolutely there is a communication mishap there where it's like, you know, Parker had his intentions to have a one night stand. Buffy was so used to guys like Angel and even Mm -hmm. uh, the guy that she dated in high school who was nice, like of men who wanted to date Buffy and not have sex with her, like, or uh, you know what I mean? Like not casually have sex Mm -hmm. Um, and was not used to having to kind of define it. Um, So I guess Buffy's to blame on that small account of just kind of setting her expectations and being Mm -hmm. knowing, I guess more of a naive thing, like not knowing to kind of ask and be like, Hey, like, is this a one-time thing or, you know, or is this, like, do you see something in the future? So I think she's at fault in a way of being naive and not knowing to express things. But that gives her about mm, 10% of the blame. The other 90% is Parker purposefully misleading her, giving her hope using rhetoric and language that in that kind of encourages Inferred a lot of things it encourages the idea of a relationship like it he he knew what he was doing he mm-hmm. knew his atten- his intentions and he knew that Buffy was the type of girl that if he was like I want to have one night stand she would be like no so he knew the mm-hmm. way to get her was to pretend as if he was interested in a relationship so Parker and then opening up and kind of yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, emotional. Parker's a scumbag. <laughs> Parker's a douchebag. I don't think he's a good guy at all, but I do think that Buffy has some naiveness about her, and that you know she could have handled the situation a, a bit better for sure. Um, but Parker's a douchebag, and he used her. He took advantage of it of her. But naivety. I also think it's yeah. it's part of her experiences too. It's the yep. fact that like her ain't she met Angel when she was sixteen, fell hard, fell fast, real quick, and he was so good to her um, that like, I mean, other than Angelus, but like <laughs> they had a, a very like mature relationship, and so she's obviously going to think after that that like, I mean, maybe not obviously, but in this case, she did think after that that falling in love. Or in her mind, falling for someone right afterwards was going to be as warm and comforting as it is. Especially if somebody is like opening up so quick. I never trust anyone who opens up to me super quick. I'm like, that's a red flag to me. Like, if you open up to me about stuff that deep within the, the first date, I'm like, I don't know. It, it could be a little bit <laughs> alarming. Um, yeah. 
not to say that people can do that and they are genuine. I'm sure that's that's the case. But like it's just it just feels a lot like love bombing to me. Um, where it's just like, I don't know if I should take this. I don't know if that this but is. But I mean, like- you're also an experienced like person out of their college years. Mm-hmm. Totally. Who can now look back on that and see that. Because I mean, when I was Buffy's age, I fell for the same type of thing. Yeah. Like not the same exact situation, but I fell for the same rhetoric of like, oh, you know, he's he's opening up to me. He trusts me more than anyone, blah, 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 blah. And you think that you're the exception. And then you get older and you're like, oh, nope, I was everyone else. Like, And it's just one of those things where you learn with age and with experience because you can look back. But in the moment, unfortunately, it's it's a thing that a lot of girls have to learn. It's like they have like a list of stuff that people yeah. go through in college and they have to like check it off their, their list. Whereas like kind of like what I said earlier, it's like you can kind of cover that stuff under the umbrella of something that's a little bit more universal. Like I'm sure. saying like with addiction, you could talk about that and then bring in so many other small nuances with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because rather than just being like just beer, you know, it's like kind yeah. of it narrows in and kind of secludes a lot of the viewers. Yeah. Douglas Petrie goes on and talks about how he thinks that Parker was portrayed as a little bit more culpable and responsible. Um, he says he thinks that those things do happen and that Parker had a little bit of a responsibility to listen to Buffy and he owed her at least a good solid conversation. And I think he just kind of blew her off. He says, also the fans had a very strong response to it. We were surprised. I'm pretty sure from the internet and from what I've heard, the fans just hated it. And they hated that Buffy was jumping into a relationship and that this guy would treat her so callously. But also we were getting a lot of stuff from the first half dozen or so episodes of the first quarter of the season where people were saying, we're tired of Buffy being abused and Buffy being wimpy and Buffy being battered about by the forces of college. There was a pretty strong fan response. They felt that she was being kicked around by Spike, Sunday, Parker, not at all the strong character that people love to see. This was a very conscious choice. We had to ride that out because we didn't want her to find her strength immediately in this new setting. But fans were pretty outspoken about how to find her sea legs now, and eventually she did. Which I get relieved when I read something like that because that's kind of how I'm feeling. Like this episode, it was just hard to see Buffy still pining over Parker. And we also haven't had any like, other than the harsh light of day, any like really good fighting action sequences. And I'm kind of missing the graveyard and things like that. And so – I'm hopeful that we're going to get back to all of that because it just sucks to see Buffy feeling this way. I disagree. I <gasps> mean, I know, always. Shocker. I'm always the one. <laughs> but like, I, of course, I don't want to see Buffy beaten down or anything, but it's like, I like that we're kind of seeing Buffy really adjust and really go through stuff that so many girls go through. And I think that having her struggle over this for a couple of episodes is human Hmm. like and that's like i think that if she slept with someone he got she got mad at him and moved on like i'd be mad because it's hurtful like it's hurtful like let her feel that i agree i think that the pacing is a little off which is why it's harder for me because you have the harsh light of day and then you have fear itself which doesn't really mention parker at all it's like something completely different and then this episode so i feel like Pacing wise, it feels like, oh, I thought we moved past that. And then it makes it a little funky. 
So in response to fans and critics, Joss Whedon had a different perspective of the episode. He says, it's interesting. Every single episode contains an attempt to do something real and contains at least one or two lines that crack me up or one or two moments that genuinely shock me. I know there are ones that are not favorites among fans, and there are definitely ones where I scratch my head and go, you know, this seemed a great idea on paper, but I never actually singled one out and went, here's a total failure. Everyone always talks about the Frankenstein one, but I think it has some beautiful stuff in it. And I think the same thing about Beer Bad, where Buffy goes all caveman. A lot of people groan at that one, but I think it has some lovely stuff in it. However, Joss revealed in a different interview that he had doubts, and him and David Solomon, the director of the episode, about the quality of the script. He says, the fourth season's Beer Bad wasn't everyone's cup of tea, especially with Buffy fans. Solomon had some doubts, but it turned out to be better than he expected. And then Solomon said this, he says, Joss wasn't entirely pleased with the story. He says, he came into my office at the last minute with the script and said to me, I tried to make it better, but all I did was make it funnier. I took that to mean, we're not exactly sure what this is supposed to be about, so just enjoy yourself. So I actually had a ball doing it. It was a laugh to watch frat boys turn into cavemen and have Buffy affected by the same thing that was affecting them. We just let everyone go crazy and nothing all bad came out of it. So if you notice there's extended sequences of the cavemen jumping around, tearing things up, you know that was director David Solomon just having an absolute blast with that. And at the end of the day, there are some episodes that are meant to entertain us, right? We like to think, but then it's sometimes it's just fun to laugh or and be entertained. And so that's what we're going to do with this episode. We're going to let it entertain us. I will say one last thing. Um, the irony about all of this is this episode was – it actually earned a um, primetime Emmy nomination for Outstanding Hairstyling for a Series. <laughs> but their hair looks hideous. <laughs> You're lying. No, I am not. Hasn't it only been nominated three times and this is no. one of the three times? No, it won three times and it was nominated like dozens of times. Oh. Well, that's less embarrassing then. But hairstyling of all things. But hair in this episode? I mean, yeah. Buffy just has crimped hair. Like, I mean, yeah, like There's go a lot of wigs. Team, There's but... a lot of wigs and facial pieces for the guy's hair. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Unless they mean Willow's hair. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Okay. This the opening dream sequence of her in the graveyard gives me such, um, dare I say it, teacher's pet vibes in the beginning. Yes. I wrote that down too. I was like, is this Xander's dream or too. is this Buffy's? Mm-hmm. Um, I will f- say this is the funniest part of the episode. Like this part, I was like, okay, that's funny. I'll give it to yeah. them. I, I didn't like, okay, I know I've said this for a few episodes, but I this is the ep- this and where the wild things are are the two episodes I could – could not tell you a lot of the scenes that happened in it. Like most of the time, if there's episodes I've seen like a couple times, they're pretty memorable that I can remember most things. Like I'd only seen Go Fish twice, but I could tell you pretty much everything that happened in the episode. Watching this was like watching a fever like dream in my head of being like, hmm, what's a weird episode of Buffy and being like, I have never seen this. This is odd. I thought I was making it up at some points. So I was like, I swear I've never seen this before. <laughs> um which was also kind of fun because I was like, this is Buffy content I don't remember. Like, this is never going to be a thing anymore. So in that sense, it was kind of fun. So like this whole opening like dream sequence, I did not remember this. So like I got a kick out of it. I thought it was like pretty entertaining. I adore this opening sequence. I think that it's so relatable. Who hasn't had a date oh, yeah. in the middle of class about, you know, a guy you have a crush on coming in like – 
you you looking all cool in front of him and him begging for your forgiveness or whatever. I also really, really like that this shows that Buffy resorts to slang when her personal life is not going so well. Yeah. And it's that, the one thing she knows she can control. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it's one thing she's good at. It's her comfort zone. I feel like she's not really thriving right now personally. And then like and she's having a hard time not relying on her slayer side because no one sees that. Like even like even her best friends aren't even around when she's like patrolling as much because everyone's kind of busy. Like we don't really yeah. see her and Giles like going around and he's like telling her pointers. Like it is a very interesting viewpoint of Buffy in season four, and I'm glad they went there because this is very rare. Um, and I'm glad that you brought that up totally. Like in the beginning, it's like in her brain, she's thinking. Parker will come and crawl back, but only when I've shown him the other side of me that I feel confident and sexy in. Like anytime that Buffy really just like felt confident and I, sexy, I these are things I think view-wise are when she's her slayer self, not when she's Buffy Buffy, especially right now. For once, she's actually getting to have a normal life. And like you said, she's not thriving. And so it's like, is it because she's not slaying as much? Is it because she's kind of trying to lean into her more human side and there needs to be more of a balance between both sides of her life. You know, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to to address and talk about. And maybe that's where the season is headed. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that two tabs because I wrote, she's like, all right, he doesn't want daytime Buffy, but if he only knew Slayer Buffy, he'd see how awesome I am. Like if he only knew the real me. So maybe there's a feeling that like she's hiding herself. It is very telling that like she's not like Buffy Buffy to her is not the strong as strong as Slayer Buffy. It's very sad to see. So Buffy sees Parker flirting with a girl in class um, as Buffy fades in and out between her daydreams, modifying certain things <laughs> because she gets angrier. The fact that like she pops back into her daydream and he has like his shirt unbuttoned with like flowers. So funny. I like that they've got Buffy dressed in the black leather pants, kind of reminiscent of her time with Faith, yeah. um, which is very different from how she's been dressing this season. And in the first dream, Parker's red coat is hilarious because in that one, he's the innocent little red riding hood. As He's like the <laughs> helpless victim. And that's how she sees him in her mind. <laughs> I honestly, like, I loved Buffy's outfits. Like, mm-hmm. I know that Tabby's not a fan of the long skirt, like, tank top what? combos. That what are you talking you about? I love that combo. Well, in the past, you said you didn't <laughs> like it. People can evolve, Aaliyah. <laughs> I I really like Buffy's like because this is like 2000s now yeah it's like 2000 mm-hmm. this is 1999 like, oh 1999 I like it it's I think it's cute I think it's very like laid back I liked her outfits in this one obviously before she starts going all okay man but you know so I want to talk real fast about what Professor Walsh is saying and like Tabby you always say if you don't know what the episode is about listen to what the teacher the professor True, is saying and while it is clunky and they hit you over the head with it, they are trying to say something. And, you know, she talks about the id, comfort, sex, shelter, food. We want them. The id doesn't learn. The id doesn't grow. Blah, blah, blah. Um, okay. So Sigmund Freud's psychoanalysis divides our personalities into three parts, the ego, the id, and the superego. The ego refers to the rational parts of our minds, the part that gets information from the world that we need to know and forms logical conclusions based upon our surroundings. The id is our infantile 
animal-like side, the side that tells us what we want, food, shelter, sex, etc. Like an infant, it only knows that it wants and it is incapable of following rules or restraints. This is the job of the superego, which reminds us of society's expectations and the rules and goals which individuals have developed for themselves. In short, the ego tells us what is, the id tells us what we wish for, and the superego tells us what we should wish for. In an integrated personality, the three work together to satisfy the individual's needs and help them get along with others. So we talked a lot about integration in season three between Buffy and Faith. And here we are in season four, and Buffy is not working with her super ego or even just her ego. She is completely shutting her brain off and giving over to the id. And that is the (laughs) backbone of this episode. Fashion of the Nerd talks about the symbolic interpretation of the Scoobies, where Xander represents Buffy's id, all desires and impulses, Willow as Buffy's ego, helping her sort and process the world around her, and Giles as Buffy's superego, calling her to adulthood and her better self. He talks about how vampires, werewolves, and Parker... Vampires, werewolves, and Parker, oh my. There are examples of monsters driven by their id. So that's really interesting because it Giles, okay, Giles does not enter this episode until the very, very, very end. I was like, wait, Giles is here. And once he does, it's literally Xander going, okay, we need to get Buffy back. And so I thought that was kind of like a cool imagery. And without spoiling anything, this is very important because of the end of the season. Um, also cave Buffy is reminiscent of a character we'll meet at the end of the season. So for those of you that know, you know, I forgot about the whole, like, listen to the teacher professor thing about the episode. Tabby's like very high school (laughs) for real. My brain shut off. Devolved to the id. (laughs) I was like, what do I write? What do I write? I don't know. (laughs) Um, so I said campus Xander comes to visit his girlies. This whole conversation it didn't feel natural to me. I don't know. It felt weird. Yeah. This whole conversation felt very odd. It's like he's going to be a bartender on campus. Um, wait, 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 wait. Let's unpack that. How old I, is Xander yeah. here? I mean, he has a fake ID, sir. But it also doesn't make any sense because bartenders are literally trained to spot fake IDs. And so there's no way. I mean, I guess this you can- was 1999, though. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. Like, that's literally what they're trained to do. <laughs> Uh, and if Buffy and Willow can tell that it's a fake, then, you know, a trained professional can. But also just clearly the guy who owns this bar is doing shady stuff anyways. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So honestly, right. and you could say that he hired Xander because if Xander's doing shady things, then he might be okay with him doing shady things. Right. Yeah. And also he could say like, hey, if you out me, I'm going to out you for trying to work at a bar when you're underage. So sure. it could be like a blackmail thing. I don't really know if they thought that far into it, but I'm going to try and give them the benefit of the doubt. I honestly think the biggest sus thing is why does a college campus have a bar? Because the thing is, is a lot of college students are not even 21 yet. That's what I was saying. Uh, well, my point was if there is one on campus, him having a fake ID, I don't think would really matter. Because like yeah. they're going to be serving to people that are under 21. Literally college years are from 18 to 22, roughly. Like, only yeah. two of those years, kids yeah. are going to be of age. Yeah. So, like, I, it makes sense to me. But, like, the fact that there would be a bar on campus is the one that's a little bit far-fetched. But apparently there is. Yeah. So, when it comes to the whole underage drinking, like, when his, like, boss is like, oh, just give him the beer, that's actually believable to me. I'm like, if it's going to be on campus, they're going to be doing that. 
You know yeah, what I mean? They don't care. Right. Otherwise, they're losing so much money. I think this episode, for all the crap we give it, does actually progress Xander's character arc a little bit more. And I liked Willow's Xander in this episode. Like he was my favorite part of the yes. episode. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, hundred percent. And the fact that he's still like we're now getting to see a little bit more his insecurity about not going to college. I thought yeah. this was a really good episode to kind of like bring that to the forefront, and I hope they're going to actually address and deal with it later on. Um, because I really like where the storyline is going because not mm-hmm. everybody goes to college and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, and then like Will's trying to help him with his like sympathy bartender tricks and listening and all that stuff. And then this whole conversation, I will say, was written scarily accurate when a girl's been ghosted by somebody. Mm-hmm. I've been ghosted mm-hmm. before. It sucks. It's also – it's you tend to kind of like – give them excuses and the stuff that Buffy was saying I've heard from other friends in college I've I've heard slip out of my mouth like it's embarrassing but it's true I also was like 20 at the time but it's also stuff that we as women we're fed a lot growing up like oh if he likes you like he's gonna pick a fight with you on the play yard if he likes you he's not gonna talk to you as much because he's nervous around you like all these things we kind of hear that just kind of can give guys excuses to kind of treat girls horribly. And then girls think that that's a sign of affection. So it's it's very sad, but that whole conversation, I was like, that's very accurate. Willow is just over the entire thing. I'm, yeah, her mood. This whole episode, love it. Why, Buffy? Like, we're done with this. Enough, enough. Yeah. It's nice seeing Willow not being rude about it either. She's not being like, Buffy, you're so stupid for still yeah. being hung yes. up on this. Yeah. She's just being like, Buffy, you're better than this. Like, he's awful. He's scum. Like, you don't even need to waste time thinking about him. Okay. Was was this I, – I looked everywhere. I can't I can't find it. Was that one, nothing can defeat the penis? Was that dubbed over? <gasps> okay. I put that in my notes. That is not Xander. No, it is not it, him. Nope. I was like – I. Ten bucks. That's Joss Whedon. <laughs> but like it, the pitch was off. It was louder. Like the audio. His, no, yeah, it didn't yeah, even yeah. fit. Like him over. saying it. Like it, I was like, I. I think I rewind. Had rewound. I don't know. Went back. Yeah. And then I like three times, and I was like, no, for sure. I did too. That is not him. I was yep. like, this is just weird. Yeah, I, yep. I'm pretty sure it was dubbed over. Um, and then we see Xander at his bar, and the poor kid is like struggling. There's so many people. But this part was funny to me because he's trying to get like seven people's orders at one time. I'm like, buddy, just pick one person, make that drink, and then come back. That's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And then Buffy comes in. She sees Parker, gets all sad, and then bumps into Riley um, and knocks a drink on him. I will say, like, this interaction is – no, it's sweet. Like, I mean, I don't like the whole idea of like – Going to be a gentleman, hold the door open like that. Like whatever <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Southern accent. Like I, I don't know. I just maybe it's a personal thing, and maybe it started at a ripe young age when teachers would be like, "Any strong gentleman who could stack the chairs," for me. <laughs> and then like little me was like, "I can stack all the chairs," and then would like grab all of them and stack them. So maybe that comes from this place, but like I hate the mentality of like. If you're a real gentleman, y'all do like whatever. I actually, I think I just hate the word gentleman. I think it's just been so like weirdly like ingrained in my mind that it's just like weirdly misogynistic. I don't know how. I don't know if that's correct, (laughs) but I think it's just in my mind. It's like it, I associate the word gentleman with the misogynistic ideals of like, this is what a man looks like. This is what a girl looks like, you know, whatever. 
Wow, that was a side tangent. <laughs> so besides the fact that he uses the word gentleman, I I like Riley in this instance. I think that he's being nice. I think he's like, you notice he doesn't say anything bad about the women. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I notice is like he talks about how scummy Parker is. He mm-hmm. says that Parker goes through women. He says that Parker is unkind. Parker, like he doesn't say anything about the women that Parker hooks up with. And Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. really respectable. I don't know. I just was so, because I don't remember the scene where, I didn't remember the scene very well. And I was so scared he was going to say something like, you know, any girl will be freaking stupid to sleep with him and then it would hurt Buffy's feelings because I didn't remember how the scene went. And I was like, oh, that was actually like really nice. Like he Mm -hmm. was just talking about how he like uses and abuses women. Yeah. The fact that he says sets him up and knocks him down. Riley sees right through this guy. And I think that is yeah. he's and I like, think that shows his character. To, yeah, to the fact see that these that. girls are falling for that, he's not blaming them because he's like the guy clearly leads them on. Um I was cracking up because Passion of the Nerd pointed out, and I am like hitting myself for not noticing this, but the reason why like they have Buffy smack into Riley is so you can clearly see what kind of drink he is carrying when he spills it all over himself. And it's a glass of water. He's in a bar drinking a glass of water. Oh, get out. Boo. <laughs> and he said, so annoying. He said, I'm surprised it's not a glass of warm milk. <laughs> He's like, gotta have my my glass of warm milk before I go in for bed. Ew. They're like, this guy's nice. He's warm and cozy. He has warm milk. <laughs> he doesn't drink beer because beer's bad and Riley did. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> no, I think I think that might be part of it, but I really think they didn't want to show Riley drinking beer because you don't want to be thinking, okay, who else is a caveman? Is Riley out there being a caveman? Like they're intentionally trying to show Riley is not drinking beer. Riley is the good guy. Read into that what you will. Clearly, it feels like they're going somewhere with this Riley character and Buffy because he keeps kind of coming in and out of these episodes. And every time he does, they set him up to be like the nicest guy mm-hmm. ever. But that's the thing, though. That's what's frustrating. It's like, let me figure out if he's a nice guy. When you try to shove it down my throat, they, he's yeah. nice. He's a nice guy. He's a gentleman. He He's a mom's boy. You know, like all these things. I'm like, okay. He's a mama's boy right under nice and gentleman. <laughs> it's just – it's too much. Another I'm like, term just that's, let another me term see that's it. a little triggering no, is mama's boy. No, I hate it. Like, <laughs> no, I cannot. I'm like, are you a mama's boy in like a, oh, I love my mom? Or are you a mama's boy in like a Freud type of mama's boy? <laughs> or like a no matter what you say, if my mom says anything different, I will take her side over yours any day. Like that's – anyway, this is another tangent. But, but – like, but in all seriousness, Mark Lucas does a fantastic job. I like how he plays Riley here because you can see on his face what he's thinking. He's very open. He's very honest. I like that he covers for Buffy. Like they smack into each other, and Buffy says, "In my defense, you take up a lot of space." And in him, instead of him being like, "Um, rude, you smacked into me," he was like, "I, I do. I'm ungainly." Like you know, he just he seems like a genuinely nice guy. And I have absolutely no complaints or with him. Or a hot girl in a bar just bumped up to him. after i just said he's like a gentleman oh god (laughs) trigger warning gentlemen and beer that's what this episode is all right moving on (laughs) so xander's still trying to figure out all the women hoarding around getting drinks um he's got his lighter he has his lighter he's trying to like talk to them the girl's like soaking it all up and then one of the freaking annoying dudes. Calm. 
his name is huh? Colm. C O L M. Colm. Who wrote the script? Colm. Joss guys. Whedon. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Joss. Yeah. And then already I hate him. Before he even said a word, I was like, get out of here. I don't like you. I don't remember any side characters from this episode other than the fact that the therapist from How Much Mother is in this episode. Yes. I wrote yeah, him too. I remember him. I hate people like Colm who just say big words to sound yeah. smart, who are so pretentious, mm-hmm. and he's looking down on Xander for his lack of, I say in quotations, education. But unfortunately, it's completely confirming Xander's insecurity that he is less intelligent and therefore less attractive and just generally less than people that go to school. Totally. I just – I hate it. So Xander has to give them a beer because the manager says it doesn't really matter. Um, and then he sees Buffy at the bar all sad. And then she mentions Parker and she starts blaming herself. And I just ah, – Xander, no. this part was so sweet though. Like she goes on saying that she's a slut, she's an idiot. And Xander every single time without being like – like Leah said earlier, without being like demeaning, without – or I don't remember who it was. Without making them feel like stupid for herself feeling that way, he's like – you're not a slut. You're not an idiot. And such like reaffirming sweet ways. I was like, period, Xander. This is the type of Xander I want. Like the one that's like emotionally mature and the one that's still their best friend and still Mm -hmm. like Xander. We can still keep the essence of Xander in a fun, goofy way and the relatable character, but then still make him like a decent human being, you know? He's being very genuine, very sweet. And I – Literally, it melted my heart a little bit. I can't believe I'm saying these words, but it melted my heart a little bit, the fact that he kept an eye on her this entire episode. Oh, yeah. And it totally. wasn't because I, – I could tell it wasn't because he was like, ooh, like, is Buffy drunk yes. enough to like go home with me or whatever, which I feel like – I don't feel like Xander Or him being done. jealous that she's around other men. It wasn't yes. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't go so far as to say that's something – We're not talking about hyena-possessed Xander. Not hyena-possessed Xander. I don't think Xander would ever do that. And look at Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, you know? Yeah, that's true. I don't think he would try anything physically, but I do think yeah. he would try and get something out of her. Maybe, I do yes. feel like he has moved on from Buffy. I don't know that's necessarily what I was fully, say. but I do feel yeah. like 80 90% he's over her. The attention he was giving her this episode was 100% just friend vibes, care and concern. Well, uh, yeah, not, and uh, just and just I'm trying like, to get some making out of sure this. that she's good because it's like yep. he also doesn't know these group of, of men. And like I, yeah. I think he probably was very happy that they didn't like move their party elsewhere that they're still in the bar. That's what I would prefer too. But anyway, Buffy turns around knocks into what it, what's his name? Calm. Calm. Which Okay, so the actor the actor who plays Calm, his name is Calm. Eric Matheny. He apparently is going to be in the new Marilyn Monroe movie, Blonde, with oh. Anna de Armas. Can't wait to see Comb on my screens. <laughs> <laughs> Not Comb. Calm. <laughs> Comb. I'm just calling him Comb now. That's what I said. Comb. Yes, let's call him Comb. Here we go. Uh, and then they're like, you should hang out with this because she sees Parker walk away with the ew, chick ew, and ew, she's ew, like, ew, ew, okay. Ew, ew, ew. Ay, ay, ay. And they hand her a beer as Parker walks away and we can see exactly where this episode's going to go. <sighs> yes. Over the bronze, which been a while. No. <sighs> Sorry, Sarah. I have to no. get through this scene. <laughs> no. I have been dreading this for the entire – oh, Okay. Go ahead. Let's just get through it fast. We all know. This scene's painful. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you. It's just – it's also very awkward. Like, it's awkward seeing Oz clearly checking out this girl. And sniffing and her. And it's like – Before she like, goes. Ah! Very odd. 
Um, and then like just Willow, just like, oh my gosh, just sitting there, and it's like you can tell she's just like feeling. Allison Hannigan's acting. I just like yeah. I was like, oh, I felt but she's for her. Like not, I felt bad. She's like not getting angry or anything. She's just kind of like. She just wants her boyfriend's attention. But here's the thing. My biggest thing, the biggest thing for me, that if I were Willow, if I were his girlfriend, I would be immediately super angry about is the fact that she mentions and he goes, oh, Veruca? He knew her name already. Hmm. It's not the – No, that one's because she was in the band. No, but like she's never heard of her before and the fact that he's not only being enthralled by her on stage but then is also like, oh, Veruca. I'd be like, why? how come I have never heard of her before and all of a sudden you're not listening to me? I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's – the weirder stuff is the fact that he's clearly checking her out. But it's like well, – yeah, I think but it's like – Before even that, I think – like legitimately I do think that was like an innocent like – because he had never met her. He was just saying like, oh, that's Veruca. That's her band. But that's what I'm saying. The fact that he was like – he had never met her before and then knew her name. I'm like, that's – like, it'd be different if it was just, like, this random chick, but it's, like, he knew her name. That's so weird. I don't think that's weird because he hasn't met her before. He hasn't n- known what she looks like. He just knew her name. No, he knows what she looks like. I agree with Tabs because this is the same chick we saw in um, mm-hmm. the episode with Kathy um, that he passes by and you have oh, that moment where they stare at each other. No, it's the one with Kathy. Um mm-hmm. Living conditions. The second episode, there's that moment where they make eye contact and he looks back and they stare at each other. So he knows her. He's in like it feels of- like he went yeah. out of his way to find out who she is. He's never met her, but mm-hmm. he found out her name. He knows which band she is, that kind of thing. I think yep. Tabby's right. I think that's kind of sus. The fact that Willow's like, Do you know her? He goes, Veruca? Mm-hmm. Like he knew exactly what she's talking about. And he's like, Oh no. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot here. Okay. Um, I just want to get this over with. Okay, Shy. That's the name of the band. Shy. Shy. Of course. Such a pick-me name. Exactly. Shy is played by the band THC with the lead singer being Sarah Folkman. Paige Moss of Ruka isn't actually singing. And oh my gosh, the way that she's moving makes me so uncomfortable. It's so awkward. I I hate it here. I hate it here. I don't like this episode. I want it done. Veruca can go jump off a bridge. And what happened to Oz? This doesn't feel like Oz. <sighs> All right. Well, there will be more content of that in this episode. So I'm just going to move on because there will be more. Thank you. <laughs> um, so back at the bar, Buffy's chucking beer with the random dudes rambling, being so annoying. Um, it's weird seeing the actor so young. Yeah, his character's name is Hunt, but the actor's name is Cal Penn. So I have a really actually fun story to – or positive story, I guess I should say, about this. So Cal Penn, who will also appear on Angel, and who we all know as Kevin, Robin's boyfriend on How I Met Your Mother. So we often get on the Buffyverse for their lack of representation of minorities. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is actually a positive story about that. So back in 2017, Cal Penn tweeted some photos of scripts from his earliest days of Hollywood auditions for small roles on TV shows and in commercials to show how often he, as an Indian American actor, was asked to portray a white screenwriter's stereotypical offensive idea of a foreigner. I went up and looked up the actual Twitter thread. Oh my goodness. Like he posted screenshots of all these commercials all of these scripts and stuff. And it's just, Yikes. it's so incredibly racist and tone deaf and asking him to like speak in a Indian accent, but only for comedic effect and things like that. Um, but 
Someone asked him if he had any positive experiences, and he said he singled out this episode of Buffy as one of his few positive experiences during that time that didn't rely on ethnic or racist stereotypes. He said, there are too many in this stack of old scripts to tweet, I'll be here all day, about negative experiences. He says, that said, there were also some wonderful first audition and work experiences, stuff like Steve Harvey, Buffy, Angel, 24 really smart, creative people who didn't have to use external things to mask subpar writing. So I think that's really cool. Did he call it How I Met Your Mother? Uh, No, he didn't call it How I Met Your Mother. I think he He, was talking about That wasn't part of his character, though. They never even mentioned. He's just a therapist. I was just curious. No, yeah. He didn't mention How I Met Your Mother. I think he was talking about like really early stuff, but I think he was also trying to talk about roles that he was a guest on or, um, yeah, like smaller roles because bigger roles – probably hadn't happened for him at that point. But smaller roles tend to be like, oh, hey, we need an Indian guy. Yeah, you. Okay, yeah, you come on here. And, right. Instead of it being like, hey, we need a guy to come play this totally. role. And oh, you happen to be Indian, you know? So I just thought that was kind of cool. And we need some good news every once in a while. I'm glad. I-, I will say, though, it is a bummer that when I watched this episode, my first thought was, oh, we have some representation because that there's very few yeah. in this show. Um, yeah. But I'm glad that you brought that up, Sarah, just to kind of like give him a voice. And I'm glad that he was able to have a good experience, even though this episode is kind of crappy. And I would have wished we had seen more of his like acting abilities in like a better episode. I'm glad that he had a good experience and that we had yes. representation. Um, and then we skirt back to the dorm room where poor Willow's rambling <laughs> about Faruka. <laughs> Her acting so funny. Uh, she ah, says that she, she dresses said. like Faith. <laughs> yes. Okay, but oh yeah. Okay. So I have a couple of comments on that. But first, before she comes in, she's mimicking a conversation she had with Veruca and Oz the night before, and she's like, "I'm Oz. I'm in a band too, and this is Willow." And then she mimics what Veruca says to Willow. How fun a groupie! Instead of Veruca acknowledging that Willow is his girlfriend, she reduces him to That would make Ruby. me mad. That, that would make me mad. That says so much about Veruca, and we haven't even, like, heard her speak yet. One oh thing God. about a girl is, like, a, like, I guess a relationship in general is, like, if you're girlfriend, like, if you're dating, like, if you're a guy and you're dating a girl, and whoever you're friends with, like, girls, if they're not respecting your, your girlfriend as, like, who, who she is, Shut Stop it down. Being friends with them. Shut it down. Mm-hmm. Because they're not your friends. They're yeah. just friends with you so that they can try and get with you. And listen and like, to your and, girlfriend. I mean, that goes, that goes uh-huh. for girls too as well. Yeah. It's like if you have guy friends that won't acknowledge your boyfriend being your boyfriend, yep. they're not your friends. It's also just like a good respect thing. Like, like when I have guy friends who have girlfriends, like anytime I'm talking to them, now it's no longer like – him being my guy friend. It's also like I include his girlfriend in topics of conversation. Like I make an equal amount of effort to be friends with his girlfriend. So there's nothing that's like awkward or weird or that she feels threatened by. Like there's just a lot of things like I've I've had experiences where like I've had I've dated like guys and then their their close girlfriends have just given me weird vibes. And then they've mm-hmm. soon dated them as soon as we broke up. It's happened to me right. multiple times. And it's well, like I know. <laughs> Girls know. As the girlfriend too, like you're out of place as the girlfriend because it's like you're already yep. coming into a known circle of friends who like love each other and are all like care about each other. And and so it's like – and you feel out of place because like relationships are so fragile and like 
you know, meeting people, it's hard. Like there's just, there's so much complexity. And so it's like, I don't know, like there's fault on Veruca's side because she's being a little bit of a biatch. And then like there's bit. fault on Oz's side because he should be He's defending not listening his, girlfriend. To his girlfriend. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. Listen to your girlfriend. Us women have a sixth sense about these things. Mm-hmm. We can know. We can read between the lines. Like Oz probably saw that and didn't think, unfortunately. I feel like Oz should have seen through this. Normal Oz. He's so Beer, out of Oz. character. Like this makes – this yep. is not Oz. Yep, yep. Like, the, like they just wrote this in it, expecting us to just like be okay with it. Like this is not yeah. the Oz we no. know. Like this is like – this yep, is yep. why – this episode and the next episode, I just like mm-hmm. I don't even think about when I think of Oz because I'm like this is clear character assassination. Like it, it's not like this is not Oz to me. Like when pe- when characters do crappy things, but if it makes sense and it's over amount of time, then I'm able to really mourn it. But like it's just such whiplash immediately, and that's what makes me yeah. mad because I'm like this makes no sense. Willow's line here. <laughs> Buff, you ever heard of this Veruca chick? Dresses like Faith, voice like an albatross. <laughs> okay. So this line, I mean, it's hilarious. It's also so layered because we know, we know Willow never liked Faith. Like we can already guess that she doesn't like Veruca, but the parallel solidifies it because remember how in season three, she was very jealous of Faith stealing her people. I don't like Faith taking my people. And so this idea that like both Veruca and Faith are shown to be overtly sexual, but also Faith slept with Xander. And now this whole Veruca making eyes at Oz, like it's just the parallel is just, it's really funny, but it's also very pointed. Yep. Well, and then like Buffy comes back in, she's already feeling weird after the beer. And the first tell that you can tell this is going to be a very odd episode is the fact that Buffy's hair is already abnormally wavy. Oh, yep. And mm-hmm. usually when Buffy has crimped slash wavy hair, we know she's not going to be her normal self. The costume person or hair makeup's like, up, oh, get out the crimped wig. Here we go, guys. Yep. <laughs> They're like, Buffy's going to be weird? Oh, my gosh. Bring out the crimper. Let me start crimping that wig now. <laughs> and I love how, like, Willow thinks that she's had, like, this huge, like, group sex orgy thing. And she's, like, not Willow. judging her at all. <laughs> She's like, oh, Buffy, she are goes, you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> that would be me, bro. If my friend yeah. was like, oh my gosh, like four guys, I'd be like, oh my are gosh, you good, girl? are you okay? Yeah. I know. Poor, she's just trying to be so gentle and non-judgmental for her fragile friend, but also concerned about her physical well-being. Like, want to tell me about it? Like, so sweet. I know. After she's having like the worst night, and then she says, Parker deserves death by spider bites, fair. And then mm-hmm. the next day in class, Walsh is talking about something I was not paying attention to, to be honest. And then Buffy raises her hand. The second hand. Oh, I had to pause. No. I had to pause. I could not watch. I was like, this no, is like the first no. episode in Stranger Things four where like L did like her like scream hand thing yeah. and nothing came out. I literally, Stop. I, I, I literally, I paused. I fast forward. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not built for these. <laughs> no, I, it was so bad. The only the only thing of note that I noticed about this episode is that well two things every time Buffy embarrasses herself I feel like Riley's there to see it like I know <laughs> what like, is his impression of her well, how is he thinking <laughs> hmm, yes <laughs> no I get the impression that he's just like this poor lost college girl yeah. also the lighting is really interesting in the scene because you have Maggie at the front but behind her there's a shadow on the wall and it's Riley's shadow as he's grading Maggie's papers. 
Um, just a bit of um, foreshadowing for those of you who know the rest of the season. I'm hating that we don't have spoiler sections, so I'm trying to like <laughs> throw everything in here. Luckily, they're doing a good job of making things so upfront the past few episodes yes. so we really yeah. don't have to like <laughs> – It's not like – Oh, I wonder – Everyone kind of knows happening. what direction it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, Buffy sees a sandwich, eats it, unfortunately – and then oh, the lovely, lovely imagery of a white girl stealing a person of color's sandwich. I just thought that was a – uh, other representation. <laughs> uh, yes. I was like, and we're back to normal. There's our overt <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Right. There we go. <laughs> oh, not to make it all about race, but I was like, this just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and then we see like this – random what is chemical this? like I'm like what okay. is this all right thank you <laughs> i was like where's this episode it? going so back at the bar buffy's with the guys again drinking beer and then they're starting to be very unintelligible um xander's watching buffy again he rejects a girl who's like trying to like talk to him in the sympathy way he's been like the worst day <laughs> you got a light and he's like uh-huh uh-huh. No. And I thought that part was hilarious because I never noticed the parallels between Buffy and Parker and Xander and then this girl and Anya. He's obviously being a great friend in this episode and I know his care for Buffy is genuine, but it's just funny how he like can't even see any other girl because his eyes are on Buffy and not in a romantic way. Yeah. Um and then back in the dorm, Will leaves and bumps into Oz. Oz oh. is being weird saying oh. that he wants to go he has well, he has band practice, so he's not gonna go to class, and then tells her he's gonna go back of the bronze because Bruga's band is playing again and tells her that she should come. Willow's being this is one of those Okay. Don't you guys hate it in TV shows or movies when it's clear that this awkward moment wouldn't happen in in a real situation without someone being like, hey, you're being weird. But yeah. then it, all of a sudden in tele- television, it's like they're being clearly rude and not, not rude, but like very cold emotionally and absent and cold and, in you. Yeah. And then and then the significant other speech just being like, oh, okay, and then moves on. Like that would yeah. not happen. I do think that the Veruca issue aside, the fact that Oz is skipping class is an yep. interesting – Another red I, flag. Another it's a red, red flag, flag, but it's something I wish they actually like – delved into more because I, think, I don't think that's out of character no that's what i was gonna say i don't think it's out of character i think that's yeah consistent. He's, he's skipped classes so much he in had high to drop school out. right but this is now college willow's a lot like in a different place a lot more career-minded she's also like you're paying for this i could see willow actually being bothered by this i'm confused why this is bothering willow now though i meant it as a red flag because I thought he was going to go to the bronze a- by skipping class. That's yeah. what I meant by that. Yep, if he skipped, guys, I skipped so many classes in college. I don't care about that. But I thought it was like he was skipping class because he was going to go watch Ruby's band. But is that I, not the case? I mean, it's inferred that like we don't know, like it's. I think that's inferred, but we don't really know mm. where he's going. But like us, like Willow, we're over here. Like, where are you going, Oz? Why have you been skipping yeah. class? But the stupid thing is that it shouldn't be like Oz. Why are you skipping class? It should be like, oh yeah, Oz skips class so much that he had to be held back an entire grade in high school. He's basically the Eddie Munson of the Scoobies. Like, come on. But then he immediately brings up, hey, Shy is playing again tonight, which makes all of us suspicious. Mm-hmm. And then Will's like, no, like, I think I'm going to go work on some stuff. And he's like, all right, 
turns around unfazed. Well, and the fact that he says, okay, I guess it must be dull for you. I was like, wait a minute. Oz is not this biting. This is, this just, is no, weird. This is just not – no. I, I'd rather not delve into all the details of what he says because it does not make any sense. We're going to have real fun for Oz. next episode, man. No. Um, let's take him win episode. <laughs> We're just skipping next episode, you guys. You can guess our thoughts on it. We're yeah. going straight to the one after. This is the part of season four that makes me want to quit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not real. even joking. There's some episodes that really just kill my spirit. Like having to sit here and break down some episodes, I'm like, no, guys, I don't. Every rewatch, I skip these. I haven't seen these in years, and I have to sit here and write notes about it and talk about it. Oh, the sacrifices we make for you, dear listener. The sacrifices we make. Somebody hypothesized that if Xander hadn't cut Buffy off and sent her home, that she would have gone like full caveman. And I do want to say, I think it is highly, highly misogynistic the fact that Buffy didn't have like the full caveman forehead pieces and all that stuff that the guys did. And they're, and someone was like, you know, they got to keep the women still looking beautiful. But wasn't she technically a caveman? Like, if everyone has to do it, like, yeah, I don't know uh, why yeah. they didn't give her it. But Doesn't I mean, I do sense. know why, but it is what it is. Um, and then where is this? Like a coffee shop? Like, yes, this is like called the Grotto. Lounge. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a little coffee place and somewhere on campus. So Willow sees Parker sitting, studying all by himself or whatever. Parker studies. She walks up to him. <laughs> what? I know. Really, he goes to school. He has time to do school. Yeah, <laughs> um, clearly not. She walks up and just glares at him. Then she rants. To, to Parker saying he's a bad person, calling him out, and then he like smooth talks her. I remember the first time watching this being so mad at Willow. I was concerned. Good for her for playing the long game with this. She sits and, and then he goes on and on about how relationships can be brief encounters and they can mean something for just one moment. We all know this feel. Like it's – this would be different if you were up front because this can be a case. This can be the case for a lot of people, but, but you this is give not what he's doing. Responsibility, yeah, or like you didn't. It's just, yeah. Everyone knows. I don't need to. I, don't I need do to do like. That. I do like, and I never caught this before. They make a very clear parallel between Parker and the pretentious guy at the bar, Calm, because Parker's over here smooth talking, giving this really fancy speech that sounds a lot like the way Calm was talking. And the idea is that using big flowery language to justify their actions, get a girl in bed because the other guy was trying to get the girl as well and excuse their behavior at the end of the day, yet they're all the same. And so they're trying to make that parallel with Parker and the other guys, which I was like, okay, that I get. That That's actually really good. They've just jumped from the metaphor of all men are beasts and now all men are cavemen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, then he's like, Willow, you're a good friend. Ugh. Trying to like sugar up Willow. Oh my goodness. Okay. And then back at the bar, grunting and hitting each other's arms and sniffing and all that lovely stuff. Xander says to go home. They give him a huge tip. That part was funny. He was like, you should give me Yeah, more. he was like, like, this is definitely right. the correct map. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they're being like rude and then leaving so much trash everywhere, like – fair one of the dudes makes a crashing noise from another room and comes out and knocks xander out 
I really don't think and Xander then, is making enough to um, – For real. That's what I was have thinking. Have to deal like, with I'd all quit. this behavior. Like Roy's like, you know what? I'm going to be turning a lot of people into cavemen. I really need somebody else to be here when this is happening so I don't have to clean up all the mess. Like Roy's hiring Xander because he knows that Xander will quit right after all this happens and he just wants revenge on them all. From this point out until the very end of the episode, other than Buffy like knocking like Parker on the head, I could not tell you like – the scenes like the I did not remember either. It's all big one mush. Yes, I did not remember them turn like actually turning into cavemen. I thought that they just Wait. like popped up. Did you guys hear what I said? Mush. I said it's all big one mush. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of it's all one big mush. Can you guys tell I'm dyslexic? Yeah, your dyslexic brain. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about the Parker thing real fast. Um, I know you guys are like sick of it, but Passion the Nerd said something that I just was literally like. Bam. Like that's all that needs to be said. So Passion the Nerd calls Parker a con man. He says, con men are in some ways more vicious than villains as they convince their targets to voluntarily act against their own self-interest, which can often end in the victim wrongly blaming themselves. Parker was not a sensitive guy who liked to hook up. He was a predator using his veneer of sensitivity as bait to the bed. Motivation matters. He goes on to talk about Parker's sob story about his dad dying, saying, this is a pretty intimate detail from a normal person's life, and the telling of it reveals the fundamental wrong at play here. Buffy is misinterpreting his share as a moment of vulnerability and intimacy, and the fact that Parker is seen later telling the same story to a different woman shows that he knows the way this story will be misinterpreted and capitalizes on that misinterpretation deliberately. That is dishonest. He may mm-hmm. never tell a lie, but he is still a predator. And I was like, Mike, yep. drop. <laughs> but he also knows, like, even though what he says might be true, he knows what to say in order to kind of coerce women yep. into yep. bed. That's what it is. It's not being upfront. It's not being honest. It's you using information to get women to feel vulnerable enough to sleep with you. Like, that is such a horrible thing to do. But also, some people find sex like like a big deal, and then some people don't, and that's their decision. And for him, it's it's the latter, and that's fine. But like making other people feel silly about like thinking sex of them is like a big deal, and then sex with Parker was a big deal mm-hmm. when like it wasn't for you. Just be honest about that. Like there are plenty of people out there, plenty of women out there who don't care about one-night stands, who don't care about hooking up, you will find Mm -hmm. people like that, especially in college. You will. Just be open and honest about it. Like sometimes the way people go about this stuff, I'm like, isn't this more exhausting? Having to sit there and like like make up these stories and kind of warm them up to having sex with you. That's what makes it predatory is because they get off on that. Whereas they could just – Well, that takes away the passion and the fire. I'm like, well, now we're just thinking selfishly. Exactly. But it's also – it's the whole power trip – I convince them to have sex with me. They they're yeah. they're a quote unquote prude, and I convince them. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like it, it's so. Or it's gross. an ego boost because I got someone so invested in me, and they like love me, and it's uh-huh. like I, it's but I not. Can, uh, I have the power. Oh, let's just have sex. They don't want someone who's. I hate this term, quote unquote, easy, because yeah. that's not what they're looking for. They want to have like won somebody over. They want to have like felt like. Uh, it's gross. Everyone knows. We don't need to talk about yep. it more. But yep, yep, that's the whole point. 
I think people who don't understand that, I'm like, you guys are missing <laughs> what it is that Parker's doing that's gross. It's not the fact that he likes casual sex. It's all yeah. the things we mentioned beforehand that are just slimy and dishonest and demeaning and gaslighting and discrediting all these women's experiences. That's what this is. Yep. And not owning up to it. Exactly. Yep. Okay, then we're back to like everyone turning into cavemen. Did you talk about that part already? I, I, I didn't, did not. When they were turning, I was like, I no part of me remembered this. I was like, there's a you see them turning. I was so I feel like I was the one drinking the beer during this episode. <laughs> As it's going on, I just like my comprehension of it is just like less and less. I all I could think was, could you imagine this being the first episode you ever see of Buffy? I would be like, this is stupid. I'm never watching this again. For like, real. what the heck? And then we find out Xander's manager. He tries telling him about it. He's like, oh, that's a surprise. Jack, we have a problem. Jack's like, they had it coming. Like, whatever. Like, honestly, relatable, Jack. Also, but this is also one of those episodes, too, where it's like usually they set up what we've seen about, like, the kegs or whatever, and then there's some twist. Whereas this is one of those rare Buffy episodes where it's like, we already knew. And then all of a sudden, he doesn't care. Like, there's nothing. There's no explanation. Like, I was just like, oh. And then we have like this long extended sequence of them just like these four guys <laughs> I, running around. This part was funny because I was like, this was in the – I did not remember this. The fact they're running up the trees, I was like, you guys, this is not an above This was literally David Solomon going up to Joss being like, hey, man, this, this script is crap. Them and Joss is like, yeah, I know, man. Just do like whatever you want. that were smoothed yeah. over and then literally they're hitting just laying on the floor. <laughs> Dead. So funny. Yep. Joss is like, just put an extended sequence of guys banging trash cans. Audiences will love it. Feminism. <laughs> I, oh, gosh. Yeah. Xander finds out that that is being spiked, and then he remembers Buffy, and he's all concerned, and then he leaves. Good for him. Then we jump back to campus. They're still making a mess of so running amok. <laughs> yep. um, one of them gets hit by a freaking car. Like, this episode is so random. I was like, hello? And he's clutching his side. I'm like, are we going to check on him? Like, we all just left. <laughs> it's like a Black Frost fever dream is what it is. And then Giles walks in, and I was like, oh, my gosh. The adults are here. Oh, good. Save us, Giles. <laughs> him and Z- Xander have the whole dialogue you guys mentioned earlier. I do love that. I love that Giles is like, it was the 70s, get it right. I love that he doesn't justify his behavior. He's like, heck yeah, I did all that, and but I didn't have the knowledge you do, so therefore you should be held accountable. I was like, yeah, Giles, go I off. I still think it's stupid. <laughs> I just mean like, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm saying this in my literal like fresh 21 ignorance, yeah, but gosh, like I, I hate the mentality of like, oh my gosh, like, you know better, blah, blah, blah. It's like, what were you doing at their age? What were you doing? I just think that when people get older, they just, I don't know, they become so judgmental. But also, like, it's its human to know better and still do. We all, we mm-hmm. do, we do variations of that all the time. Like, that's what makes people human is the fact that it's like, I know this is a bad thing to do. And then you have moments of doing something that you yourself don't agree with, whatever that may be. But like, let's look at this though. Giles did not have knowledge of the occult, didn't have knowledge about all this stuff. And that's what he's trying to tell Xander. He's not saying, oh my gosh, drinking necessarily. He's saying, you should have known something was up. Therefore, you should be held accountable. That's what he's saying. I didn't have the knowledge you do. Therefore, you're held accountable. I don't know. When it comes to Xander versus Giles, I tend to side with Giles. That's all I'm saying. Maybe it's a bias. It is a bias. They walk into the dorm room and they see Buffy sketching on the walls like the child from Sinister. 
Um, <sighs> and then she kind of like looks at them, tells them that Parker bad. Love, love the dialogue. I don't know where they got this shot of my six-year-old daughter Gwen painting on her <laughs> walls true. with her matted hair, like saying Parker bad, Sawyer Maya, bad. That's literally Gwen. It is literally. I saw this. I was like, this is the probably the most relatable <laughs> moment for me. In Knowing this entire- her, she would find this episode so funny. I mean, maybe not. Actually, so I should it's- show her. She oh, would probably love. She it. would love this episode. Oh my god. Maybe tell I her should. that the drink is apple juice or something. I don't know. <laughs> or it's just they when gave it literally him a bad says drink. Beer, that's true. <laughs> 50, times. I won't tell her it's beer. I'll just be like, they just drank something bad that made them turn into cave. Yeah, expired. You know? Well, I mean, expired she doesn't milk. really have a comprehension of what beer is, though, does she? No, yeah, she has no clue. So I mean, you can literally just be like, oh, it's a poison drink. I just feel like she I mean, would love this episode. I don't know why. I don't know how to explain it to you, but I feel like oh, she, she would totally soak this would. Up. It would, Dude, you it should would, feed her apple juice and tell her it's beer and see what happens <laughs> from yeah. the episode. No, I just feel okay. like from the episode. I'm but like, real talk. Feed your daughter real talk. apple. I don't want to hear crap about beer being bad when I'm watching old Disney movies and every flipping movie, Pinocchio. they have a drunk Pinocchio. sequence. Yeah. Pinocchio is bad because it's children. Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Dumbo. Yes, yeah, Dumbo. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. Yeah. Right. I I get so uncomfortable having my kids watch those movies. I'm like, and yet, I yeah, don't get me started. No, That's Pinocchio my actually gave me nightmares as a child. That one was the worst because they also turn into to donkeys. Andrew and refuses then, to let the kids watch that one. He, well, and then they he become like, so like prisoners. And it's I like, don't blame him. Pinocchio gave me nightmares dark. for it's years. It's dark. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, the biggest tale of the Parker and Willow talking sequence or whatever scene in the coffee shop is the fact that the whole time he's just talking about himself. Yes. I'm like, no, like (laughs) that's very telling, but he's like, I don't even, I didn't even care to put down what he was saying right here to be honest. I haven't found the one yet. I've yet to find a girl that I can just, you know, sit with, feeling totally at ease, spewing whatever's on my mind, or even sit with comfortably in silence. I was so scared the first time I watched this. I was like, no, Willow, don't fall for this. Well, I also was going to be mad because I was like, how would it be fair if we were getting mad at Oz for like checking another girl out if she's kind of falling under the same type of spell, almost even worse if, you know, she was doing it on purpose. And I think that was kind of the point too. They're kind of yes. like teasing that, and then yeah. they find out that's not the case. Yeah, we're like, okay, Willow is feeling vulnerable. She's at a place where she's like, I don't know if Oz likes me. So, like, is she gonna? We know she's cheated in the past, like you know that kind of thing. Oh, but when she goes, just how gullible do you think I am? I was like, go Willow, mm-hmm. thank you. And you notice how he's like, oh, he's like, what? I. I I don't know how you got that. Like he instantly tries to backtrack and make it seem like she was just inferring things. And I love that like she played the long game because she wanted to wait out and see what tactics he was using so that she could yes. break it down. I love yes. that because then she goes in and says, this isn't sharing. This isn't mm-hmm. connecting. You're only thinking about how long before you can jump my bones. And which is true because it's like, again, it's not him being like, asking her questions and it's this whole like tit for tat conversation. That's what connecting is. It's like a, you give, I give. Like you kind of gauge each other's responses based on like, it's like, hey, they open up about something. I'm going to tell them something about me opening up so that we can connect on this. It's not him Mm -hmm. just word vomiting random 
like love bombish type of mm-hmm. vernacular in order to mm-hmm. get her like emotionally vulnerable enough to like want to sleep with him. That's that's not the same thing. So I love that she kind of waited out to see exactly what he was doing and then was able to just like call him out specifically on what he was doing. Yeah. No, and I mean, she's the only one that's been paying attention in psych class. And so she's like, oh, I understand what methods you're using. And Parker gaslights her. Well, you're when you're in a relationship too, you're you're thinking of like like you're not thinking Oh, maybe because like you're not thinking about dating him. You're able to see it a little bit more objectively. Well, she also knows he has a pattern of screwing girls yeah. over. So he's she's going into this with she Eyes isn't wide having open. that. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. have that naive sense that Buffy had because Buffy she learned from Buffy's experience. Also, this scene is hundred percent completely consistent with Will's behavior because it reminds me of the one in the pack with Hyena Xander trying to lure Willow to the cage to let him out. And she plays the long game and pretends like she's being sucked in and then the last minute jerks away and says, aha, I knew you were not better. And like, it's it's really cool. I do not to like, and I mean, we can infer all we want, but it's obvious that Joss had a hand in this episode and it's so hard knowing now what we know about I'll say that 10 times fast, knowing what we know about Joss and just the fact that he used to do this thing where he would sleep with girls in college, pretty girls, and then he would dump them maliciously. It's really eerie going back and watching Parker and how he does all these things. It's all these done things, too well. And know that like Joss knew he was doing these things and wrote it as bad. You know, the whole great power comes great responsibility. Joss knew what he was doing was wrong. And I don't know, I saw a quote say of Joss, and I know I've seen it before, but it just kind of like hit me again where he was like, I was powerless to not sleep with these women. Like I I had no control over sleeping with them. And it it feels a lot like something Parker would say. A lot of trigger warnings in this episode. <laughs> we talk about yeah. Joss, we talk about- No lie. Um, and then Will's like, I tell you, men haven't changed since the dawn of time. And as that- the cavemen come crashing in and dragging knock out both the women. Willow and Parker. I know, dragging I will say, like, way. yeah, when they knock them out, I was like, bang. I was like, that was fast. I feel like they <laughs> forgot that they got taken out that fast. With the props moved over sticks. Yeah. Buffy's spinning in her chair in the room and Giles and, and Xander trying to troubleshoot what to do. They 100% um, modeled this scene after a parent and their toddler. I want to watch TV. TV off. <laughs> I was like, mm, this is relatable. Josh was like, the TV is off. <laughs> Who wants people? <laughs> She's like, beer, want beer. I was like, all, if all they say is snacks, want snacks. You can't have snacks. You can't have beer. <laughs> and you know what I like about this episode too is the fact that like Buffy's doing – what Buffy would have done in like um bewitched episode where she's like smelling Xander and saying, you smell really nice. And he doesn't give it any second thought. Mm-hmm. Like he could have made a, a gross comment or acted as if he was like, Oh, she's vulnerable right now. You know? Yeah. But again, is the bare minimum, but at least they didn't go that route. <laughs> well, and we've seen from the harsh light of day, Xander actually does feel bad for what happened in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. He mentions it to Anya saying, hey, I was partially responsible for everything that went down with that. So while it's not quite what we would want, like to the caliber of what we would want to see, I do appreciate that we're starting to see a change to Xander. Buffy pushes Giles to the ground, somehow stopping him from her running out. (laughs) And then back at the coffee shop, there's a fire that's 
broke out and then the dudes are, I don't know, barking, <laughs> doing all weird. They're cavemen. They went back to their cave. They built a fire and Apparently. the fire is spreading. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so they pull over like this little bookshelf to get out of the window. Fire I feel crawls like- around. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's the fact that like they're not supposed to have a purpose. But I just, like, wish that there wasn't so much time dedicated to the cavemen because, like, mm-hmm. like I don't know. It was like, okay, they don't know what – like, they don't know anything. They just kind of, like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just so boring. The minute they turn into cavemen, like, I, yeah. I could not tell you what goes on because it's just, like, boring. I think, yeah, the cavemen were completely circumstantial. They were there to create a circumstance in which Buffy had to rescue Parker. That's just all it was. It literally was just, we have to create a situation that Parker is going to be forced into that Buffy can save him. And I'm like, why couldn't we have I just love the damsel in distress in this episode. Yeah, oh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's I great. I love it. Yeah, and then back on campus, Xander is running around looking for Buffy. The whole fire bad is really funny because it's a throwback to graduation day where she's like, fire bad, tree pretty to Giles. Oh, when she's yeah. like, I can't comprehend very much. Also, the imagery of the cave woman having to undo all of the cavemen's disastrous handiwork and actually being smart enough to realize that the fire extinguisher does something is really funny to me. And this part, I will say, I audibly laugh. She grabs a fire extinguisher, stares it for like a good five beats, and then just like tosses it. She's like, I know this does something. (laughs) Okay, that didn't work. She's like, I don't know in what capacity it does something. I just know it'll be helpful. (laughs) And then we have this scene with Giles talking to a stoner. And you know they cast this guy because he looks like a caveman. They're like going with the metaphor of all men are cavemen now. He's like blonde, this tall, walks with a sideways limp, which I I do get frustrated sometimes because it feels like they sometimes write Giles to be dumb in situations where I'm like, Giles is smart. Giles is not like, oh, Buffy's over here. Where would Buffy go? Come on. Think like Buffy. It's just a comedic part in the episode, I guess. But it's like, okay, but what would Giles actually do? Yeah. The the dude is just like so dazed. He's like not listening. In the script, there's a part that's cut out. So Giles is like talking. The stoner shoots a finger out at Giles like he's just remembered something. Stoner, you're from England. <laughs> Why'd they cut that out? And then we had to see these freaking cavemen. I like, know. Let's cut some caveman material out. Put that. In. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, there's so much green time dedicated to like us trying to understand that they're cavemen. I'm like, I think we get that. I think we get that really fast. As soon as I saw this, like three minute of them like breaking their skin and hair growing out, I think I got that they were cavemen. Yep, Buffy drawing the stuff on the wall was pretty. Like, oh, okay, see where this is going. They're like, hmm, let's take out some funny lines. More grunting. Yes, that's what yes, we will do. Yes, yes. Uh, back at the shop, Buffy sees um, a set of windows. Um, oh, uh, sorry. This is when the dudes make the ladder, my bad, with the bookshelf and crawl it's out. It's fine. They get out. <laughs> I she don't gets even really. Willow. Just, just <laughs> paraphrase. We all, all saw the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we all did. <laughs> I know this is super important for my listeners to me to break down <laughs> in super detail. <laughs> Willow climbs out coughing. That's so important. <laughs> Buffy helps Willow out. That is important. Willow does survive. Um, Xander is helping everyone from the top. She is breathing. And then Buffy grabs a stick. Parker is like (laughs) violently coughing. This part made me laugh. He's being so dramatic. He's like, (laughs) 
me. I can't breathe. And the long pause Buffy has of just staring at the stick like, I feel like I should be helping him, but some part of me just doesn't want to. I forgot that she knocks him out twice. That's what kills me. I remember like the you know, the famous one at the end of the episode, but like this one, I was like, that's so funny. She knocks him over twice. And the fact that he apologizes after she's knocked him out the first time. Okay, so low funny. key. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> low key though, I was like, okay, Parker's still left in there. Oh no. Can we just like <laughs> leave him? <laughs> Oops, I'm a fragile mm-hmm. girl. I couldn't carry a man. Yeah, uh yeah. Ask not what misogyny can do for you, but what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> the bad part is that she would be seen as like a survivor. She's like, I was in the fire. Like, I tried to bring him out. Like, I separated it out. Everyone would be like, wow, you're so brave. Be so easy. But you know who'd be her alibi is all the 300 women who Parker slept with before Buffy who are like, oh, yeah, we totally like saw her trying to get him out, you know? <laughs> Ugh. But of course, Kate Buffy is still noble and still has a soul. Drags him out, I guess. I guess. Um, Buffy says, Buffy tired. Xander's like, there was it. And was there a lesson in all this? What have we learned about beer? And Buffy says, oh, foamy. And that's when I was like, yep, that's about all we learned this this episode. Yep. And the, the line, so funny. He says, anyway, I think the boys are contained for the time being. This will give them time to consider the geopolitical ramifications of being mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> Parker comes up to Buffy. <laughs> the fact that he just looks like he's so genuine in this apology. I'm like, you guys, what? <laughs> I don't understand. He like starts to apologize, says that she was great in there, asks if if um he could do anything that she could forgive him. She looks at him funny and then knocks him out again. And I love and how the gang comes part, up and just is not the best part. Even responding. <laughs> Giles has no clue what's going on, and yet he's all like, you know, eh, Buffy probably had her reasons. And just I know. <laughs> I want to get to that part of my life where I'll just do stuff that in normal senses, people will be like, what is wrong with you? But the fact that people would trust me enough to be like, you know what? She probably had her reasons. That'd I mean, so I do nice. wish they'd had this exact same trust and faith in her when Kathy was sucking out her soul and she was like, there's something wrong with Kathy. And they're like, gee, um, Buffy, are you sure that you're not possessed? <laughs> See, episodes like that one, like the the roommate or whatever it's called, Living Conditions, yeah, are like, like yeah, it's like a funny, campy episode. It's what this episode should have been like. It's like yeah, it's intelligent and funny. And just like, but also bonkers at the same time. But right. Anyway, yeah. we made it through, you guys. We did. We made it through beer bad. And if we can make it through beer bad, we can make it through anything. <sighs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh boy, we guys. We still got a couple. Oh man, season four. Ugh, okay, yeah. There's a there's a couple of rough episodes coming up, but there's also some really good episodes. We got some fun people that are coming on for some of those rough episodes, so I think it'll be a little bit a little bit better. But yeah, either way, I had a blast. You guys made it fun. I feel like there was some stuff that I caught this time around that I was like, okay, that like makes more sense. Yeah, that was that. We hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> As always, guys, you can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr, Becoming Buffy Podcast, and email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. What do you guys think of Beer Bad? Is it your guilty pleasure? Do you hate it? What are your thoughts on Veruca of Parker? Like, there's a lot of stuff in this episode, and there's a lot of stuff coming up. 
Yeah, but we'll get to it when we get to it. With that, you guys have a great couple of weeks and we will see you next time.